beach party on the French coast. They knew they were headed for a heavily fortified coastline and a very determined enemy. How did they prepare for this monumental task that lay before them? They trained and trained and trained some more. They mastered the weapons they would employ. They pored over intelligent reports to determine the strengths and weaknesses of the enemy. They studied tactics and maneuvers over and over until they became second nature. These men were ready when they hit the beach. Just like these men, we are at war. Sadly, most of us don't realize it. Paul tells us in Ephesians 6:12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. The enemy we face is fiercer and more cunning than the enemy these men encountered on the beaches of Normandy. And the consequences are far greater. How do we win this battle? First, we have to acknowledge the war exists and be willing to engage the enemy. Second, we have to train and be vigilant. In spiritual warfare, this training is called discipleship. We are going to start with men's discipleship training. We're formulating the battle plan now, and we'll share the details when we're ready to step off. Keep your eyes on the church website and social media for details. God is looking for a lot of good men, men who are willing to drop into a hot landing zone and take the fight to the enemy. The mission objectives and enlistment papers will be on the way shortly for those who are willing to answer the call. Good morning, everyone. I'm Brad Rathbun, and I'm heading up this discipleship program. First off, I want to give credit where credit's due. Uh, Jessica Keefe did a great job with that video. Thanks to her and to Joanne Ford for getting everything set up on the church website so you guys can get in there and register. Battle plan is in play now. Uh, we've got it formed up. We're going to start out with four groups. We're going to have one on 7 a.m. Sunday morning, then one at 9.30 Sunday morning, and then on Wednesdays we'll be having one at 6.30 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. Now the registration process is kind of a two-step process. So the first step, you'll go to the church website, find one of those groups that you want to be in, and you'll register uh, at the church for that. And then what, what will happen there is those groups will be put into the realm system where then I can email each group and give them information for the second step of the registration process, which is with the um, company that is, um, has created the, the material that we're going to use, which is called Christian Leadership Concepts, or CLC, down in Nashville. And then I will email all of you, every, everyone that has signed up, 
with information on how to register through CLC. It's just basically you create an account and you have a group number that is associated with a church. So get on the church website, get signed up, and, and hopefully we're going to launch all these classes together. So if you do can't make, to the, make it to the one that you signed up for, you'll be able to jump into one of the later classes during that week. So we look forward to having you in there. Uh, ladies, get on your husbands, get on your sons, get on your grandsons, and, and get them out here and join, and join us with, with this study. So thank you very much. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you guys. A little snowy outside, but it's nice and warm in here. Stand up and turn around and wave to somebody that you wouldn't normally wave to and tell them that you are happy to see them this morning.
Amen. You guys have a seat. Well, good morning once again, and boy, you all sound awesome. And you know what we do? I don't know about you, but I need him, and I know you all do too. And what a wonderful opportunity to be here today to worship him. We're so glad to see you, and we're so glad if you're joining us online, and we'd like for you to hit that like button and share with somebody they can watch with you. How wonderful is that in this age that where we can all be together, rather be here or at home or wherever, and we're just grateful for that. My name is Beth Claxon, and I'm the Children's Ministry Director here at Burlington Baptist Church. We've got a great a lot of activities that are going on, even though COVID has hit, we can do those COVID style. And the women's ministry, they need your help. Now on February 6th, over in the Activity Center at 2 p.m., they will be having an event in which they're putting baskets together for, to welcome new members. So if that is something of interest to you, again, February 6th, 2 p.m., Activity Center. Also, they need your help with doing an online survey. And this is to see your interest in Bible studies, what times would be um, work for you guys to get involved. Um, they also are interested in possibly attending a Women of Joy conference. So if you could please, 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 please get online, follow the link, and um, fill out that survey so that they can get that back and plan some things that uh, we can get all of the women in the church involved. Now that link will be on our website and I believe on our Facebook page as well. Now another opportunity that we have coming up and that is with our Turfway Raceway. Now I know you look over there and you don't see a building and you think there's nothing going on. But there's actually families and people that live there and they are training the horses. And so how we can help as a church, we try to provide them with a warm meal just one time a month. So our day is coming up on January 25th, and this time we actually have a menu um, that we are going to need of different food items. So we're going to need you all, all those chefs out there, it's time for you to cook. So if you could stop by the um, starting point desk out in our atrium area, there is a list of the items that they need cooked, and you can sign up um, to take one of those and bring back, bring, excuse me, here to the church, and then they will take the meal over to the turfway. So that is on January 25th. You can hone in on those cooking skills. So I'd love for us to continue in worship today. You all sound so great, but before we do that, I'd love to lead us in a word of prayer. So would you pray with me, please? Father God, we just praise you and love you, for you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And God, we just love you so much, and I cannot imagine life without you, Lord. We thank you for all of your many rich blessings. And God, today I ask you for some wisdom and strength and your power to be with us always, God. And God, just help us to be bold in our faith. God, you sent your only son to die on the cross so that we can have everlasting life. And that is a gift that you gave us. Use us. Help us to be your vessels, to use us, to go out in our community and share that love with others. Be with us today as we praise and worship you, Lord, and our pastor as he brings our message today. God, help us to keep our eyes on you and lead us and use us. We pray these things in the most precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, you guys may have noticed that uh, Brother Harold's been picking a scripture verse, and then we've been having a young adult or youth student uh, come up and do it. And for a youth, for one of the youth or young adults to come to both services and that 8:30 on a Sunday, that's a pretty big deal. So, jo <laughs> so Josh is going to read our scripture verse this morning. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. 
You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Amen. Let's stand together again. And uh, we're going to sing. And it's, uh, what it says, it's time to kneel and it's time to stand. It's time to stand and we're going to sing. Saturday was silent. Surely it was through. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? Friday's disappointment, Sunday's empty too. Since when has impossible ever stopped you?
Amen. You guys have a seat. You guys have a seat. So as uh, Brother Harold and I have kind of discussed and talked about things on the podcast, I get to thinking about um, turning your eyes upon Jesus. Every once in a while, I think it's, I forget to kind of just sit and say, Lord, you know, I need you. I don't have the answers. I don't have control of anything. And um, I need you to kind of come into this situation and take over it. I said in the first service, he already knows that. He doesn't, why don't, we don't have to tell him for him to know, but I think he likes for us to kind of humble ourselves and hear it. So this is a song about that. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find
Amen. Thank you. Will you pray with me? Father, there's so much truth in that song. And as a, as a people, as a church, we need you. Lord, we're desperate for you. You're our hope and our peace. You're our wisdom. You're our comfort. You're our guide. You're our rest. Lord, you're our defense, our righteousness. We have no righteousness of our own. And we thank you this morning that we can gather and we can sing to you. We can acknowledge our need for you. Lord, not only our need, we acknowledge the need of our country for you. And we just want to continue to pray that you would bless the events of this week and this transfer of power, that you would bless our current president, our, our coming president, Lord, our leaders. We, we lift them up. We, we pray for peace in our lands, our states, our capitals. Lord, we pray that uh, you would send revival to our land. We pray that it would start here in this room this morning. Lord, we pray that not only would we acknowledge you, but we would be people of your word. We would love your word. We would live according to your word. We invite you for the next few minutes to speak mightily through your word, accomplish your purposes, give us ears to hear, give us receptive hearts. We thank you for this privilege that we have this morning to, to pray. We pray for one another. We lift up those going through difficult times. I, I pray this morning for Bob and his family as he begins his battle with cancer and Others who are in the middle of that battle, for those battling COVID and those with other ailments, we pray for those. And uh, we just thank you that you hear all of our prayers. We come in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this morning is uh, National Sanctity of Life, uh, Sanctity of Human Life Day. And uh, that is usually held on the third uh, Sunday of every January. That's the date closest to that uh, <clears throat> Faithful Supreme Court decision in 1973 called Roe versus Wade, where abortions were legalized in America, and uh, since that decision, over 60 million babies have been aborted, and uh, we want to remember them today. Uh, Sanctity of Human Life is a is a Sunday where we acknowledge that every life matters. We commit ourselves to protecting uh, human life at every stage, uh, from the womb to the to the tomb. We believe in the value of life and want to proclaim that. And so as we're in this series called Turning Our Eyes Upon Jesus, I thought it'd be, be worthwhile for us to consider uh, Jesus's view on life and death. And so I'm going to start this morning in John chapter 11. John chapter 11. I invite you to turn there. We're going to look at verses 32 through 37. And we'll spend some time in Psalm 139 this morning as well. So I invite you to stand, and uh, we want to honor God's Word this morning. It's so good to see you. Uh, got some guests today. Thank you for joining us. So we're always excited to have guests, and thank you for joining us online. For all of you that uh, are online this morning, I was trying to look at some of the, the names on there. And uh, so we have 60-some folks each week that tune in, and uh, we just want to thank you for doing that each week. John 11, 32. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? And I invite you to be seated, and boy, ask the Lord to, to bless his word this morning. Before we get into the specifics of John chapter 11, I just want to talk a little bit about 
a biblical view of, of life and, and death. And uh, obviously, uh, we would start in the book of Genesis, uh, because that's where God brought life into existence. We go to Genesis 1, and we see God creating everything that we have. And uh, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And so we have the picture of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and He speaks man into existence. And man is created in the image and likeness of God. That's the only creature that it says in Genesis is made in God's image. The Hebrew words for image and the word for likeness refer to something that's similar but not identical to the thing that it represents. And so if we ask the question, do we look like God? And the answer is no. God is spirit. And so this is not talking about uh, our physical bodies. But I always like to just mention, though, our physical bodies are important uh, because the New Testament refers to our bodies as the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we want to take care of our bodies. We want to avoid unhealthy lifestyles and abusing our bodies and, and uh, drugs. And our bodies are to bear witness to our Creator. But specifically, God made man with relational abilities. He gave man personhood, and with that comes some things. Intellect, uh, we have, uh, for example, the ability to understand language, and we can communicate with each other. We can think for ourselves. We have emotions, and we have a will, and that allows us to know God, to love God, to obey God, to worship God. We, we can do that freely. Man has self-consciousness. Uh, reasoning. And so God put moral consciousness within man. That means that we know the difference between right and wrong. God put that within us. There are other ways that God created us in his image. Uh, and I, I always like to point out this side note that, that uh, as men and women, we have this privilege. God has given us the ability to procreate or, or to reproduce. And so we have this wonderful, wonderful, we could call it a privilege, and it's a responsibility of producing other image bearers of God. Ladies, you ever think about that? When you have that baby, you delivered an image bearer of Almighty God. Isn't that a credible privilege? No, that's the privilege that we have of bringing a baby, an image bearer of God into the world. And uh, if you're a Christian parent with a young child, you have the stewardship from God. God stewards a child to you, and, and you have this responsibility, I think, of bringing that child back into knowledge of his creator through faith in Jesus Christ. And church, we join them in that responsibility. We want those babies to come to know their creator through the person of Jesus Christ. So if we get to Genesis, a man is the pinnacle of God's creation. And every person, we could say, from the moment of conception is being fashioned into his image. And that every person means foreigner or slave, handicapped, black, white. All life is valuable in God's sight. And so we need to value lives of all people. And we have to stop seeing people as rich or poor, Young or old, black or white, Democrat or Republican, amen? We've got to keep seeing people like that. Yeah, we must stop seeing, seeing the way people look and the way they dress and start seeing them as they are created in the image of our great God. 
So just a, a few places I, I thought I would point out as we talk about a biblical view of life. In Exodus chapter 21, uh, God puts some of the value of life into his laws. Uh, Exodus 21 verse 22, when men strive together, this is when, when there's a conflict and they strive together and they hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there's no harm. The one who hit her shall surely be fined, as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and, and he shall pay as the judge determines. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life. In other words, if there is a quarrel between two men and the pregnant woman is injured, causing her to lose her child, then the one who caused the injury was to be executed. Life for life. That, that's the value. That, that, phrase, that phrase, life for life, says a lot. It tells us that God considers the life of the unborn just as valuable as that of the grown man or woman. That says a lot, doesn't it? Now, one of the clearest passages that we have in regards to God's view of the unborn is Psalm 139. And so if you'll turn over there, last week we looked at a Psalm of David, Psalm 63. Well, this is another Psalm written by David. Listen to what he says, beginning in verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My souls know it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. And so, first of all, David is saying that God is the sovereign giver of life. Uh, he acknowledges that in verse 13. You, God, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. And so listen, God alone has the power and the authority to give life. Job acknowledges that truth several times. Job 12, 9 and 10. In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. You ever think about that? Our very breath is in God's hand. And so as we think about abortion, I, I want us just to realize that abortion is a glory robber of God. Verse 14 there, Psalm 139, 14. I praise you, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We know the, the awesomeness of a baby when it's delivered. And I told them in the first service before COVID, I sometimes was able to be there at the, not in the delivery room, but at the hospital sometimes when someone was giving birth. And, and just the, the reaction is almost always the same. It's just amazing to there's praise to God when we acknowledge a, a beautiful new life. And so I, I can't comprehend uh, the, just the, the intricacies of God's creation, but somehow God takes a, a little egg and, he, and sperm and he fashions them together, and, and within just a, a couple of weeks, there's a beating heartbeat. A beating heartbeat, a beating heart, uh, fingers, there's brain waves, there's kidneys within just the, the first few weeks. And uh, after just 12 weeks, I, I was going to put a picture up here, but they, within 12 weeks, they tell me that all the organs are functional. Uh, the first trimester, the heart, brain, the organs, sexuality, movement, all of that is, is there. 
And so to, listen church, to take a pill or to insert a tool and destroy what God is forming is wrong. And, and we should be bold in saying that. And some will say, preacher, well, you're getting into matters of women's choice. No, I'm telling you clearly what's revealed to us in the Word of God. In the mother's womb, God is forming a person in His image. And I know many, many will argue that the unborn is not a human person. They'll say that it's just a non-Bible tissue mass. Uh, that's the language they used to like to use. No, that's not true. The unborn is human in that it is being fashioned and formed by God. And so this is not an issue of privacy or freedom of choice. We don't have the freedom to eliminate a life if we choose we don't like it. No woman should have the freedom to kill a child if it is a child. And I believe the scriptures teach that it is. And by the way, if, if children are born premature, some as early as 24 weeks, some, sometimes they weigh as little as one pound, and yet now, through modern medicine, nearly 70% of those born in weeks 24 through 27 survive. Isn't that amazing? Nearly 70%, 24 through 20 weeks, 26 weeks survive. And I mentioned this earlier, but thankfully, in Kentucky, uh, our legislators are taking steps to protect those children. Uh, last week, Senate Bill 9, it's called the Born Alive Act. It states that medically appropriate and reasonable life-saving and life-sustaining medical care and treatment must not be denied to any born-alive infant. And any violation of that by medical providers could result in felony charges, among other penalties. Now, we, we might read that and think, well, why do we even have to have a law that says you've got to protect the child once it's born? And that's where we've gotten to, sadly. But, but I'm thankful that Kentucky is taking the lead because there are other states that want to not protect a child even after it's born. And so, sadly, a, a baby has to make it out of the womb in order to be protected. That's terrible. We, we ought to call it like it is. Uh, for years, m multiple times in 2017, the Senate tried to pass something called the Pain-Capable Unborn Child Protection Act. And all that would do would ban abortions after 20 weeks. Over and over, it failed. Uh, Senator James Lansford, he said something a few years ago, and I, I wrote it down just because it was, it was just eye-opening. He said there are only four countries allow abortions at any time in the mother's womb. Four countries, Vietnam, North Korea, China, and the United States. And, I, you know, that's some sad company to be in. And I think there might be a few more now. But I hate to be in that list with those other countries that allow the taking of uh, life. So Psalm 139 gives us a glimpse into what God sees and what God knows and even what he's doing in the womb. Listen to verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. And so, so we can't see what God's doing in the womb. But, uh, and most often, sadly, many are just concerned with how that life in the womb might affect them. It might be an inconvenience. It might be costly. It might delay their career path. It, it might hurt their image. But as Christians, we, we, we must acknowledge that every person bears the image of God and abortion is a violent sin against the innocent. Proverbs 31.8 says, Open your mouth or speak up for the mute, 
for the rights of all who are destitute or helpless. And so we must have the courage to speak for those who have no voice and to care for the least of these. Listen, we, uh, what we know about Jesus is that he loved all the children. And so we ought to have the same view that he had. They're all precious in his sight, and they should be precious in our sight. I believe verse 14, that they're wonderful all his works. God's works are wonderful, even in the case of the disabled. Maybe even more so in that case. Listen, God is able to take the most evil, horrible circumstances and use those circumstances for good. Joy, joy even. Listen, matter of fact, God used the worst evil this world's ever known, and that was the, the crucifixion of his sinless son. He was able to turn that for our good and to bring about our salvation. That, that's the essence of the gospel. Listen to some of these verses. Here's what God said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I, I set you apart, Jeremiah. I had a plan for your life. Isaiah 49.1, the Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named my name. Isn't that an awesome thought? That, that God knows us individually and that he has a plan for our lives? Psalm 139, verse 1, Josh read it. I love, I, I, oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You have searched me and known me. John Stott notes, God can search man not only because he sees him, but because he made him. When David writes in, in verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed substance, I, I take that to mean that at the very moment in which the sperm joins the egg, that's this unformed substance, these two sets of chromosomes combine, and the fetus is a uniquely determined individual. And so back to verse 15, my, my frame or, or my skeleton was not hidden from you. God saw it when I was being made in secret. That, that's a figurative way of saying in my mother's womb. Intricately woven, it says. Literally, that means embroidery or knit. His veins and arteries are being embroidered together. My, verse 13, my inward parts. But God sees every detail. Verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. And again, some people don't like this part. But in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. And so as I was thinking about uh, these issues of the sanctity of light in, uh, in light of our current series about turning our eyes upon Jesus, uh, I began to think about Jesus. He, he gives us a perfect model in John chapter 11. We see Jesus, and he's going to the gravesite of Lazarus. And we know some things about this story. We know that uh, Jesus was close to Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He, he loved this family. And they sent word to Jesus that, that Lazarus was sick unto death. And, and we know that he delayed his coming. And when he got there, verse 17 of John 11 says that he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And, and so the sister said to Jesus in verse 21, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When we know that God could have, I mean, Jesus could have prevented this, uh, but he had a plan for this. But here's what I want us to note. Death was not a part of God's original plan for his creation. In the Garden of Eden, there was the tree of life. And Adam and Eve had access to that tree until they 
till till they sinned and were cast out of the garden. And so we could say that death is an intrusion into God's creation. John 11, 33 is an interesting verse. It says, when Jesus saw her, talking about Mary, when he saw Mary weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And so I was studying the the language here, and the Greek word that is translated deeply moved, it literally means to snort like a horse. And it it conveys an idea of anger and outrage and indignation. And so we we say, why is Jesus angry over Lazarus' death? And I think the answer is because, because of the evil of death, the unnaturalness of death. And so Jesus was angry and greatly troubled. And then in verse 35, it says Jesus wept. He, he had sorrow and compassion, and he sheds tears of sympathy for the bereaved sisters. He, he sees the hurt that they're enduring through this death. And uh, Jesus saw grief caused by the effects of sin in our fallen world. But what caught my, what caught my attention is the realization that when faced with death, Jesus was moved first with anger i mean he snorted he's angered by death and then he wept and i think as christians we can learn some things here we should be angered by the evils of this world like abortion it should anger us not anger us so that we go burn down the the clinic but that we take action And so I I think we should be angered, and at the same time, we should be moved with compassion for its victims. And and so when we think of the callous killing of human fetuses in the womb, and and those who act like the fetus is no more than a piece of tissue to be discarded, I think anger is an appropriate response. Uh, But I think Jesus would, would add compassion to our anger. And so we should be outraged and at the same time move with compassion. And it's hard sometimes because sometimes we want to be one or the other. Uh, but I think Jesus gives us a model. And, and so outrage and compassion should move us to take practical steps to oppose such atrocities. And so on this Sanctity of Life Sunday, just, just two quick points. The first one is that destroying life is a gospel issue. Destroying life is a gospel issue. When I, when I share the gospel, when you share the gospel, we, we normally start with God. The fact that we have a creator. He has created everything that we have, and our creator is holy. That means that he's set apart from sin. That means that uh, he hates sin. He's going to judge sin. He hates the taking of innocent life. We should be able to say that. And there are lots of people who are going to be held accountable. The doctors who perform the abortion. The mother who seeks the abortion, the, the, the father, the parents who encourage the abortion, the legislators and judges who choose to permit the abortion, the counselors or the pastors who, who encourage people to have it. All those, I think, are going to be accountable. And church, listen, here, here's the deal. We're not innocent. And you might say, well, what I have to do with it? Listen, if we've done nothing about it, then we're not innocent. The Bible says to know to do right and not to do it is sin. Martin Luther King King Jr. said, Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Well, life matters. Randy Alcorn said, To endorse or even be neutral about killing innocent children 
created in God's image, is unthinkable in the scriptures, was unthinkable to Christians in church history, and should be unthinkable to Christians today. And so as I wrestled with this this week, I felt like I had to confess sometimes my passivity to speaking up for the for the life of the unborn. I believe I've probably been sinfully passive sometimes. David Platt was quoting Martin Luther in a sermon. He says, If I profess with the loudest voice and clearest exposition every portion of the truth of God, except precisely the point which the world and the devil are at that moment attacking, I'm not confessing Christ. Where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proven. And to be steady on all the battle fronts besides is mere flight and disgrace if he flinches at that point. And so, church, we know there's a battle for life. There's a battle in the womb. There's a battle in the nursing home, in the refugee camp. There's a battle for life raging in our culture, and we must stand up on behalf of the helpless and the weak, and to not do so is sin. And uh, we ought to acknowledge our own sinfulness. And when we acknowledge our sinfulness, then we can look to the gospel. And we can be thankful for the gospel. Because, listen, God's going to judge sin. He is. Thankfully, though, God sent his son Jesus to be the savior for sinners. And so, yes, we can acknowledge some things. God hates abortion. God hates sin. God loves sinners. Isaiah 43, 25, God says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Anybody say praise the Lord for that? First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the church, that's the beauty of the gospel, that sinners can be forgiven. And listen, I can say to any of you that are here this morning, if you've been involved in abortion in any way, that Christ has paid the price for your abortion. And and not only your abortion, but for my sin. And on the cross, Jesus took the divine wrath and judgment of God due for our sins. He took that upon himself. And through faith in Jesus, you and I can be forgiven of all of our sin. And we can... Proclaim Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And not only does Jesus provide complete forgiveness of sin, but but then he brings this deep healing. Sometimes, people who have committed abortion, they need that healing from God. And, And so he is able to forgive our sins and replace the pain with with peace and healing. God offers that to us in His Son, Jesus Christ. And so through the work of Christ on the cross, the Father doesn't look at you and see the guilt of your abortion. Rather, He looks at you through Christ and sees the righteousness of His Son, Jesus Christ. And so listen, as a minister of the gospel, I, I can tell you that if you turn from your sins and you put your trust in Christ, that you will receive the forgiveness of your sins and God will bring healing to your heart. That's the good news of the gospel. My second point is this defending life as a Christian issue. For those of us who say we're Christians, if the Bible teaches that God knows and fashions the life of those in the womb and that all life is valuable to God, then we, the people of God, we have some responsibilities. Let me give you three quick ones. The first one is to speak up. 
Speak up. Back to Proverbs 31, 8. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Listen, the baby in the womb is unable to speak for themselves. But we do not have to be silent. And so we speak the truth in love. Abortion is murder. It's wrong. Life is valuable. So we speak up. We speak up first to God in prayer. And we pray against abortion. We pray that this decision will be overturned. Listen, we've got the right people in the Supreme Court now that if it ever comes up, we, we can overturn this. Hallelujah. And that'd be a mess. Yeah, it'd be a mess when that happens. But let's pray that God would overturn this terrible decision. And secondly, we speak up in public. We speak up for the unborn to protect the, the, the lives of the abused, the neglected, the mistreated, the orphans, the elderly. We, we speak up for life. I mean, when it goes beyond the unborn, it goes to the, the hungry, the, the helpless, the hurting, those trapped in addictions. We, we love life because life is created in the image of God. Not only do we speak up, but secondly, we support pro-life causes. We should support local pregnancy resource centers. This morning we got someone here for CareNet of Northern Kentucky. And uh, we're going to have a, a one way to do that is by filling these bottles with, with change or cash or whatever we can put in here. For the, for the sake of that ministry, we support Sunrise Children's Services because they care for children and orphans and support uh, adoption. Just we want to encourage and support orphan care and adoption and, and those who might consider that. We want to come alongside you and, and support you financially and through prayer and through the support of the church. And, and there are lots of organizations standing for life. And then finally... We share the gospel. We share the gospel. When we get a right view of the sanctity of life, we will not only value the lives of all people, but we will have a greater burden for reaching the lost. Don't you think about this. There are some people, some people that we know, there are people that were created in the image of God who will burn in hell for all eternity. That's the truth. There are people created in the image of God who will spend eternity in a real place called hell. God created us for eternity, but we'll only enjoy eternity in heaven if we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so church, let's love people enough to give them the gospel. Well, whatever the cost, whatever it may cost us, let's reach people with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and and so I want you to know this morning that if you're here and you're living outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to love you enough to plead with you to come to Christ, turning from your sins and trusting in His work on the cross, believing upon His sacrifice for your sins. And if you'll come to Him in faith, He'll save you and forgive you and bring you into His family. Let's pray. Father, we want to ask your forgiveness for the times that we've not spoken up for the helpless. Forgive me for times where I've given some lip service. Lord, we want to thank you for the gift of life. From newborn babies to, to the oldest amongst us, we thank you for the gift of life. And we want to acknowledge that you're our creator. It was you who formed us and fashioned us. It's you who love us and you have a plan for our lives. 
Thank you that even though we're sinners, you are full of mercy and grace and love and you offer forgiveness and eternal life. And Even though we're sinners, you invite us to spend eternity with you in heaven through your son Jesus. And so we pray this morning that, that you'll save some. Open their eyes to your love and draw them to yourself this morning. And, and Lord, for our church, I, I pray you would move in our hearts to stand up and to speak boldly for the unborn and for the elderly, the vulnerable. Help us to be like Jesus. Help us to be angry over evil in the world and, and yet at the same time be moved with compassion. Lord, help us to be gospel people, realizing that there are people that are perishing without you. And they're going to go to a real place called hell and spend eternity in God, we have, the, we have the remedy of the gospel. I, I pray that we'll be people of the gospel. Bless this invitation, we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand? And I just want to invite you to respond this morning. If, you're, if you want to know more about a relationship with Jesus, I'd love to talk to you about that. Uh, I invite you, if you want to come and pray for the unborn, uh, man, it'd be a, a good time to do that. Pray for protections for the unborn and anything else you need to do this morning I'd love to speak to you about that Oh soul are you weary and troubled No light in the darkness you see There's light for us
for just a couple moments. Nick and Sam, will you stand up here with me? Uh, I want to introduce you to this neat couple. This is Nick and Samantha Mataka. Mataka? Mataka? <laughs> what Nick said. Anyway, uh, they, they started coming. They're, they're COVID people. They started coming after when we started coming back, and they've been coming for two or three months maybe. Anyway, they, uh, they'd like to become a part of uh, Burlington Baptist and to be baptized. And so uh, I want to introduce you to them. And will you all welcome them into our church? All right. So I, I got to talk to them a little bit last week, and uh, especially for Nick. I mean, he's kind of new to church life. And so, uh, man, we're just excited about you guys coming and following the Lord in baptism. I know Sarah met Samantha last week, and they have some common interest. And Danny found out that got some guitar. What would you say? Guns and guitars. All right. And uh, she told you that before we voted, didn't we? Uh, but anyway, we welcome you guys, and I'll be talking to you about uh, scheduling your baptism. And, uh, but get to know uh, Nick and, and Sam, if you will, and we're excited for you guys. And uh, Nick said, don't make me talk. So I'll, I'll let you be seated. Thank you, guys. Uh, just just a couple things I want to mention, Bob. He, he found out this week he's got some lung cancer and uh, is getting some tests. going to have some appointments this week. We're going to start chemo. And... Uh, we want him to know that we're praying for him and Jenny and his family. And so, Bob, stand up for just a second so everybody knows who Bob is. Jenny, you too, and Krista, you too. And, uh, but anyway, put them on your prayer list and uh, bathe them in prayer as they start this journey. And, and you all have uh, several people you're praying for. Well, we want to pray for this family. And uh, let me pray for Bob and, and uh, Nick and Samantha. And then Jim's going to come and share a little bit about uh, CareNet. And, uh, and so let me pray, and then I'll invite him to come up. And I just want to mention, uh, we know Wednesday's a transfer of power day. Uh, this is, church, a good day to, for us to fast and pray for our country. I'd invite you to do that, give up a meal, and just spend some time on your knees praying for America, that God might heal us and send revival. Father, we want to pray this morning. Lord, we, we ask for revival in our land, and, and we do pray for peace this week, and uh, Lord, we just pray you'll calm some things down and turn our eyes back to you. Lord, I want to thank you today for, for Nick and Sam and for bringing them here to Burlington Baptist. Help us to just love and encourage them. We thank you for their desire to, to follow you and to be baptized and be a part of, of this church. And uh, Lord, I want to pray for Bob and, and Jenny and their family. I, I just pray uh, just a special grace and comfort to be upon him as he starts these treatments and has these appointments. We just continue to 
ask for wisdom for his doctors and encouragement for his family. And, and uh, we love them, and we just pray your hand of blessing to be upon them as they go through this. And all the others that are battling cancer and COVID and, and ailments, we, we lift them up to you today, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Jim Jim's with us this morning, and is just going to share a little bit about a ministry opportunity for us. Thank you, Jim. Okay, uh, thank you, Pastor uh, Harold. Um, your your sermon was, uh, I, I still loved your sermon, even though it was the second time uh, I heard it today. So, good morning. My name is Jim Klosterman, and I serve as a, uh, as a volunteer, and I'm also a former uh, board member at CareNet Pregnancy Services of Northern Kentucky. And there's just a couple things I want to repeat uh, from uh, Pastor Harold's uh, um, sermon. Today is the National Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, and there have been over 60 million babies who have lost their lives. Uh, to abortion since that time, 48 years ago. So I'm very pleased to be here to speak to you today about the life-affirming services that CareNet provides to our community. Each day, numerous precious unborn lives are lost because men and women who are faced with an unplanned pregnancy feel that they have no other option but abortion. CareNet is present in our community to serve as an alternative to abortion and exist as a Christ-centered organization striving to educate, support, and empower men and women during, before, and after their unplanned pregnancy while uplifting the sanctity of human life. It is our responsibility as the body of Christ to give our clients the truth in love and help meet their needs, enabling them to choose life for their unborn child. We do this by offering 24 hours a day, seven days a week helpline, which is covered by our staff. We operate three centers, one in Florence, one in Cold Spring, and one in Williamstown. And at each one, we offer free pregnancy testing, accurate medical information, options counseling, material assistance, and one-on-one -on -one online mentoring by trained volunteers in one of 17 different educational programs. Our Cold Spring and Florence locations are also medical centers offering ultrasound imaging. 2020 was a year full of overcoming challenges due to the COVID-19 pandemic. However, after optimizing our services with new features such as electronic forms, remote mentoring, increased sanitizing, and the use of personal protective equipment, CareNet was able to continue its mission and offer life-saving services in a safe environment. All of our programs offer incentives such as diapers, car seats, and baby cribs to our clients as they prepare to become parents. Most importantly, all of our services are offered at no charge. By offering remote online mentoring classes in 2020, we were able to provide 2,275 classes, which was a 6% increase over 2019. CareNet's same-day ultrasound services are our greatest tool when adv advocating, for, ad advocating for life. 
Ultrasound imaging serves as a window to the womb and allows the new mother and father to bond with their child at the earliest possible stage of life. We also have the capacity to offer some, each new mom her ultrasound pictures, which are sent directly to her cell phone. Ultrasound services are critical to our mission, and 1,043 babies have been given the gift of life since this, since this important medical service was added in 2006. Last year alone, 132 women chose life for their unborn babies after having an ultrasound at CareNet. Our goal is to save more lives by increasing and training new medical and support staff to expand and sustain our same-day ultrasound program. So I would like to, I would like to uh, share one client experience with you that has occurred at CareNet. Upon arrival into our Florence office, the mother of a, of, of a child was undecided about her pregnancy. The father, however, expressed that he did not want to be a parent and that abortion would be the best route for them. After meeting with the staff and being educated on options, the couple was taken into the ultrasound room to confirm their pregnancy. As the ultrasound image appeared and the baby's heartbeat was seen beating, the truth about the life within the womb seemed to be felt by both the mother and the father. Instantly, the couple bonded with their child. After the appointment, our ultrasound technician, who witnessed the parents' reaction, stated emphatically, it was in watching the beating heart of the child, of the baby, that changed the heart of the father. And the couple did choose life for their child. So today I am here to ask for your support. If you are able to help this year, please pick up a baby bottle. And it's got it right here, Pastor Harold showed. Um, it's in the back of the church. I believe you call it your, your welcome desk. And so over the next few weeks, use it to collect any loose change, dollar bills, or even write a check and return your bottles to church. You may also give online at our donor website. The website is on a card inside the, uh, um, the bottle. Also, we are in need of, of volunteers to serve as mentors in our parenting educational programs or serve as advocates in our centers, or share your talents in other ways. If interested, please fill out the volunteer card, which is found in the bottle, and return the card with your bottle at the end of the campaign. If you own a business or would like to offer sponsorships for our fundraising efforts, please visit the website or give us a call into the office. The phone number is also on the card in the bottle. We have sponsorship levels suited for small businesses and corporations. So on behalf of the CareNet board, the staff, and our volunteers, and especially on behalf of those that we serve, I'd like to thank you in advance for your generous participation in this baby bottle campaign. Please know that we are deeply grateful for any donation that you could possibly offer. Thank you, and God bless you.
Just a couple quick things before we go. Just like always, there is a um, clear box on each side as you go out um, on each side of the other. That's our uh, dollar club. Uh, continue to give to that. Uh, you don't get to see where that money goes, but it's always for a good cause. It feeds our benevolence fund. And um, also there's a Next Steps class. I missed that this morning, next Sunday. So if you're interested in Next Steps, if you're new to the church, uh, sign up, call into the office. We'll get you signed up however you need to do that. But come out and you get to meet the staff, which isn't that exciting, but there's all sorts of other stuff in there too. So that'll be fun. But let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to come into your house and worship. And we just thank you for for looking into the Bible and seeing just exactly how those lessons and those scriptures just apply to today right now. And we thank you so much for that, Lord, that it's your living word. We thank you for your son, Jesus, Lord. And I thank you that before you knew me and you formed me, you knew me and and you had great plans for me, Lord. And I thank you so much for that. Lord, we want to lift up our sick and and those who are recovering from illness and, and those who are fighting new illnesses, Lord. We just want to lift all of them up to you. Help us to go and spread the gospel to someone this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.